All right, welcome into another episode of your WCPO High School Insider Podcast, a new school year, the first episode of the 2020-2021 school year. It's our fifth year of doing this WCPO High School Insider Podcast. Coming up a little bit later, I'm going to talk to Mercy McCauley Athletic Director Denise Harvey, who is also the school's volleyball coach, about the challenges of preparing for this unique season. But first, I want to bring in OHSAA Senior Director of Communications, Tim Street, has been kind enough to join me uh, and really been in constant communication since March, obviously. But uh, Tim, thanks again for your time. I know uh, you've been inundated with requests from media, but uh, how's your week going so far? Hey, a week's going well. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Um, you're right, it's been really busy. Uh, for me personally, just doing lots of interviews. Um, but uh, I enjoy doing that to explain the OHSA side of where we are right now with high school sports. Um, and uh, and, and uh, our interim executive director, Bob Goldring, has given me the green light to do that and said, you know, if we have a chance to give an explanation, to clarify something, to help tell our story, um, that's a good thing. So happy to be on with you. Great. And uh, obviously, Ohio High School Athletic Association Boys and girls golf season started on Wednesday. The girls tennis season will start on Friday. And then we have the, the remainder of the fall sports. Um, hopefully getting started. Obviously, non-contact been given the green light. We're going to get into that here in a little bit. Uh, this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants in greater Cincinnati and northern Kentucky, where the play of the game is always chicken. Log into the Chick-fil-A app for easy contactless ordering. And uh, Tim, just maybe a quick thought um, on Wednesday. We, obviously, the golf season started first interscholastic competition for OHSA sports since March 11th, believe it or not. Um, I know there's been so much, you know, uncertainty, a lot of doubt, a lot of you know, people just asking questions about uh, the status of different sports. But maybe a, a breath of fresh air just to get uh, some fall sports uh, underway, as it were, this week. Uh, you have a quick thought on just getting the season started. Sure. Well, it was exciting. You know, it just that morning, you know, Wednesday morning, seeing all of the schools uh, posting pictures of their golf teams being out there on the course, uh, we're just really exciting. You know, we are interacted with lots of those. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, the, the overwhelming feeling for me was excitement and, and happy to see them out there competing. Um, but it, it was also there was a little bit of sadness, too, because not every school is able to compete right now. And we, we take that personally here. We, we're uh, hoping those schools can rejoin competition here soon. I guess that's a good thing. Um, but typically, the usually 15 or 20 days leading up to the start of the fall sports, we are promoting the heck out of that on our social media accounts. Um, jersey numbers with what day of the week is left and we didn't do that this year. Um, we just felt like it, it's a it's an exciting time for our schools that can compete, and, and we're excited about that too. But we're just in a different world right now, and um, you know, hyping this up as much as we typically do, knowing that not all of our schools can compete, just didn't feel right at this time. But we are excited, and we we do keep hoping we move forward, and the rest of our sports get going. You kind of touched on a topic that I was going to um, maybe mention a little bit later in our discussion here, but. Um, since St. Public Schools uh, announced this week that uh, they're on an athletics pause uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic and, and making the decision um, to go to remote learning, Middletown City Schools uh, made that decision last week to suspend athletics or using the word suspend. 
for the time being, along with extracurricular activities. I know we've seen examples in Toledo and Cleveland and Columbus and Dayton. I mean, um, what would the OHSA say to uh, student athletes in those districts, those coaches in those districts that uh, don't have an opportunity or have had athletics be suspended while we see other school districts that are moving forward and trying to get the green light for all contact sports? Sure. I would say several things. Uh, number one, I would say, I know it's tough, but try to stay positive. Uh, know that the, the leaders in your area are doing this for a reason. Uh, the, the safety is number one. And in your area right now, they don't feel like it's the right thing to move forward. Um, I guess I should say too, you know, the, there's parts of Ohio that have been affected by coronavirus in vastly different ways than some other areas. You know, if you look at the county numbers, county by county numbers every week, uh, boy, there's some counties that are not affected much at all. And then there's some counties that are greatly affected. So to the student athletes, just have trust in your administrators that are doing what they think is best for you. But beyond that, though, I would say, number one, we hope that numbers get better in your area so you can start playing soon. Um, and number two, um, number three, is just that if you keep practicing and keep training, you're going to be ready when that when that time comes. And you can keep doing things like wearing a mask, washing your hands, practicing social distance. All those things that all of us do now will help get everyone back on the field quicker. Do you see some sort of division in the state in terms of the north and the south? And we, obviously Montgomery County down here in Dayton um, mentioned that, uh, you know, Obviously, Trotwood Madison being the most prominent of those football programs having athletics being suspended. But it seems like up north, we're seeing a lot more counties and their boards of health making recommendations on the suspension of athletics or an outright cancellation, maybe in, in some cases. But uh, here in the Southwest District in Hamilton County, we haven't seen that as much. Like I said, an example was Middletown and Butler County. But uh, for the most part, it's been a go forward mentality with um, school athletic directors from, from our standpoint. Is, is, is that kind of registered or resonated in some ways with the OHSA about just this kind of divide, so to speak? Yeah, a little bit. I know what you're saying. I, I would even say it's not almost as black and white as North and South. I would say the Northeast part of the state, it seems like that has been more affected um, by coronavirus than perhaps some other parts. So it's more the Northeast um, quadrant that that I've seen more shutdowns in, but you also have it in Toledo. Um, we have some in central Ohio too. Um, just in my interest in looking at how all the counties report their numbers, it, it seems like there's a lot of counties in the Northwest and the Southeast and East that don't have many numbers at all in terms of positive cases. So it's almost more the Northwest and the Southeast and East are in a better position right now to move forward than the I-71 corridor, I guess is what you could call it. So, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't quite say North and South, but I know what you mean. I guess it's more Northwest and Southeast are the ones that are doing a lot better right now than some of the other counties. I want to get into attendance a little bit. Uh, earlier this week, the OHSA board of directors accepted a proposal from the OHSA staff that allows schools to seek rights from local media or video production companies to provide live video of uh, 2020 home regular season football games on Friday nights. And uh, I wanted to get your reaction on that. And also, could you speak to if there's been any other guidance uh, regarding attendance to schools, especially with uh, football on Friday nights? 
Sure. Well, just real quick to, to recap that regulation. Um, as our member schools know, for a school's home regular season games in, in all sports, the school has always been able to live stream those on the school website or the school controlled uh, web page. And they could work with media for all of their home athletic contests, except Friday night football. Uh, Friday night football, side, and that was at a request of our schools, and this predates me, this is probably 25 years ago, uh, we put a media regulation in place that said media cannot show live video of Friday night football games. Our schools requested that, um, help protect their gate. But even as far back as April this year, as schools looked ahead to the fall, they started reaching out to us asking for that regulation to be suspended for this coming fall so that our schools, if they wanted to, could work with local TV stations mainly, um, video production companies, to hopefully uh, bring in some revenue, either from rights fees or pay-per-view, to show to have the media show live video of their Friday night football games. Um, so as more and more schools requested that, we met as a staff and we said, you know, th this is probably the year to give that control back to the schools for Friday night football games just like they have that control for all their other home games. And so our board of directors agreed and um, uh, approved that uh, proposal. And, and uh, so our schools right now, I'm sure a lot of them are, are in the stages of getting those rights fees lined up with local media outlets to show live video. In terms of attendance though, I think that's why we did it mainly and why our schools reached out is because um, we're gonna have social distancing um, at most events, not just sports events, but most events for the next, shoot, more than a year, maybe a year and a half still. So you're not going to see packed houses. You're not going to see full gymnasiums or full football stadiums. Um, so definitely revenue is going to be down for uh, the athletic departments of our schools for the regular season games. It's going to be down for the postseason. Um, most folks know the OHSA brings in revenue from the tournaments, not the regular season, but we're going to have down revenue from the tournaments, of course. So it's just a way for schools to hopefully recoup some of those dollars and be able to fund their athletic department. Try not to bury the lead with this, but I'm going to piggyback on football here. Season starts three weeks from Friday night. We record this on a Thursday. Will there be a week one? Well, certainly it's not permitted yet. You know, as we sit here today, we don't have the green light. Uh, I'm an optimistic person though. And I do think we're gonna get the green light. I really do. Um, it's certainly not guaranteed. Um, my neighbor asked me last night what percentage I would put it at. I don't know, I'd probably say 58 or 60% somewhere in there that it's gonna be approval. So <clears throat> just trying to be honest that, you know, it's certainly, um, not a slam dunk that we're going to get uh, the green light, but that's what we work every day toward. Um, our main uh, chain of communication with the governor's office is uh, the lieutenant governor. And we also have several contacts at the Ohio Department of Health that have been great to work with. Uh, John Husted has been great to work with. Uh, he is a former athlete. He, he is on our side. I, I really want to stress that he wants sports this fall too. So does Governor DeWine. Um, so, you know, we, we just have to get to that point where the numbers look good enough. And, and that's number one, the numbers look good enough. And number two, that we have a plan in place for how we're going to try to do this that minimizes the risk as much as we can. 
I think we're close to that. I really do. Um, so that's what we got to keep working toward. And then, of course, we hope we get the green light and um, that Governor DeWine announces that it's going to be permitted. Someone asked me this question. I didn't have an answer, so I'm going to pose it to you. Is the OHSA in favor of allowing football teams to at least have one scrimmage before the season starts? Because as we all know, contact sports scrimmages are suspended at this moment by the OHSA. Um, but in terms of uh, the importance of one scrimmage, where does the OHSA stand on that? The OHSA would love to have schools be able to do all three of their scrimmages. So certainly one, the OHSA, we did not want to suspend scrimmages. I guess I got to make that clear. You know, we um, realized that for those three contact sports, soccer, field hockey, and football, um, for the Ohio Department of Health and the governor's office, whether it's a scrimmage or a preview or a game, they, they, that doesn't matter what it, what we call it. It's still contact from one school and another school. So that's not permitted yet. And, you know, practice started on, on August 1st. Well, we had soccer scrimmages scheduled for a few days after that field hockey scrimmages scheduled a few days after that. And it's just not permitted yet. So we really didn't have a choice in that matter in terms of if we would allow scrimmages or not, they're just not permitted yet. Um, so we thought rather than have it be a day by day process where are we proved yet? Are we proved yet? Are we proved yet? Rather than go through that every day, we felt like it was a it was a show of good faith with the governor's office and the Ohio Department of Health that if we just suspend scrimmages now for the contact sports, that removes that situation that that Ohio Department of Health and governor's office are dealing with. And if we just focus on getting our numbers better so that we can start the regular season, that's the goal. Um, the scrimmages are important. Uh, they're they're very important. But I think coaches would say between having a, a yes or no right now or continuing to work forward toward the season, let's work toward the season. What about there's so many teams, I'm talking about football here for a second, that are just struggling with scheduling. And you're seeing, I know in Cincinnati, it's got to be across the state of Ohio. Um, you know, some conferences are going to uh, league-only competitions or just simply dropping out or you know, obviously we've talked about the, the two school districts, Cincinnati and Middletown, pausing their athletics at this point. Um, is there any guidance for schools in terms of how they do their scheduling? Because obviously we all know that the eight game requirement for the postseason was was dropped earlier uh, this summer. But um, is there any thought on, on helping some of these schools when it comes to scheduling football games? Yeah, we've been asked that a lot this year. And, and a lot of people just don't realize that schools control their regular season schedules. A lot of people have reached out and said, how are we going to help schools with their scheduling? Um, well, schools have always done their own regular season scheduling. They, they want that control and they want to be able to do that. It's a little different in some other states. I think it might even be different in Indiana. But, you know, we, we can do um, as much as we can with our open dates page. Uh, that's a, probably a good plug for the open dates page. Um, if you go to OHSA.org and go to school resources, one of our options is the open dates. That's a very popular page. Um, it typically is for seasons out. You know, our, our 21 football open day page is already really has a lot of games in it. But it, certainly if schools here in the near future or, or, or already have open dates for the 2020 season right now, email those in. Um, you know, we'll get those posted and hopefully that will help. But that's what the open dates page is there for. Another um issue that I've heard of or heard from, especially with athletic directors, is, is simply finances. 
Um, and again, stick my football here for the moment. Um, you know, three weeks from tonight, you know, week one of the football season, still don't know, you know, you go ahead and spend money as an athletic department on concessions and operating costs and those sorts of things. Uh, we know that attendance will most likely be limited in some form or fashion. But again, is there any guidance with what the dilemma presents for these athletic directors in terms of what they should do at this point? Well, I think real soon here, you know, just the concession stand situation itself, uh, we, we have to get involved with that for some of our tournament games. Um, we have to make a decision whether or not a game, a tournament game is going to be point A or point B. And we have to make a decision because wherever we're going, they have to get concessions. I wonder if things like concession stands are going to be um, an option that not, uh, not every school does this year. Um, you know, I think that um, I've already seen some instances where schools have said they're not doing a concession stand. So, but they're going to have to make that decision here pretty soon. I, I, I tell everyone that plan on having your first game. You know, you got to plan for it, but you got to be a smart planner too. You know, I wouldn't, um, if you're ordering, you know, a thousand hot dogs for the first game, I'd keep them in the freezer. But, uh, you know, hopefully you're going to thaw those out for that first game and you're going to have them. But, but yeah, that, that's a great point that there's going to be things like ticket takers and parking attendants and, you know, the folks that work in your press box, all those things. I would put your plans in place now with the hope that we're going to have that game. But obviously our ADs are going to be smart about that, that they, they live with this every day. Uh, I, I bet that they have already decided, okay, we get to a certain date, we're going to do this. A date now, a little bit, we're going to do it this way. Joined by OHSA Senior Director of Communications, Tim Street, here on the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. Tim, just a quick thought. I know this might be a hypothetical, but the news arrived last week that uh, school by school versus school competition is not approved in contact sports by September 4th by the governor's office. That is, um, the OHSA is looking at a condensed schedule uh, from mid-December to June when it comes to winter, fall, and spring sports. And it was kind of in the in the memo that was sent out by the OHSA, it was kind of in the notes section of that. And uh, I don't know how many people picked up on that. I saw some media outlets uh, obviously mentioned that. But uh, any idea what that revamped schedule would look like? Again, I know it's a hypothetical at this point because we're not sure about where contact sports stands here just three weeks from the uh, football season, two weeks from the soccer season. But um, are, are there some possibilities of knowing what, what that schedule might look like if it's modified? Sure. And, and for those that were not aware of that, uh, Mike, you're absolutely right. It, basically, that memo that we sent to our schools last week said, if we get to September 4th and we have not been approved for those three contact sports in Ohio, what that most likely means is that our numbers in Ohio are not good right now they're, and they're not going in the right direction. Um, so if that's the case, contact sports are not going to get approved this fall, most likely. That's kind of the date that was picked to be. We haven't been approved by September 4th. We got a punt on a couple things. and But in terms of what that modified schedule would look like, um, our board of directors would would certainly look at several options. We, we have several options, I, I can tell you that, um, what it would look like. But But in general, what it would most likely look at is Sometime in mid-December, we would start the winter sports um, as much as we can. But remember, there's four of our winter sports that are contact sports too. Um, girls and boys basketball, ice hockey, and wrestling. You know, so 
there's four sports that we also, you know, once we get through this fall, whatever the fall looks like, we're going to do it all over again with our winter sports. So um, we, we would play the winter sports in the winter. Uh, we would then take those three fall sports that we would not have been permitted to play yet, then drop those in and then play the spring sports after that. Um, the, the one thing I'd say is we, we in no way want to play We'll just take football, for example. We do not want to play football on top of our other spring sports. We, we do not want to do that at all. And, you know, those spring sports, um, anytime I talk about spring sports, I just always revert back to they just lost one full season of spring sports. We don't want to do something that's going to hurt them again. Kind of leads me into my next question. I know it's one season at a time, but with winter sports, uh, and I've already talked to a couple of basketball coaches this week. Um, what is the thinking on that right now? Again, I realize it's only early August. Um, you know, official practice doesn't start for girls bas- basketball until October 23rd, boys basketball a week after that. But um, those being indoor sports, I think the question does beg, what is the level of concern right now um, when it comes to winter sports starting? Well, as you uh, insinuated, um, I know I personally haven't thought much about basketball yet. Um, I know that our basketball administrator has. <laughs> That's her job. You know, she's thinking about basketball every day. <laughs> In fact, I think we, if you go to our website on, on our basketball page, I think we, she's already had five, maybe six memos that she has already sent to our basketball coaches throughout the summer. So Kathleen's on top of it with basketball. Um, I'd have to defer to her on that. I honestly have not thought a whole lot about basketball, but you're right. We have two issues with basketball. Number one, it's a contact sport. And number two, it's an indoor contact sport. So, you know, we, we first of all got to get approved for contact sports by the governor's office. That That's number one. And then number two, we got to see how all this fits together with indoor sports. So good question. Um, I know that Kathleen would speak more to the basketball side, but I, I, and she is also our soccer administrator. So, you know, she is doing everything she can right now to get soccer going. I know, obviously, the OHSA is trying to go forward with fall sports. It's already started and all that. But has there been any talk or discussion given Toledo and Cincinnati Public and Columbus, Cleveland, that those student athletes aren't able to start uh, until uh, until October 1st, or maybe even later, maybe not even at all. Has there been any thought of simply having a plan in place like some of these other state associations uh, that makes every student athlete start at the same time for all their sports? I would say, number one, we hope a lot of those student athletes that are currently paused from their area, I think there's a chance that some of those are still going to be able to play this fall. You know, they, they may shake their head no at that. But I think once we get into September here a little bit, let's see what the numbers look like. We've already seen two school districts initially announce that they're not going to play fall sports. And a couple of days later, they announced that they are. So I think there's a chance some of those suspended schools will still play this year. Uh, We certainly hope they do. Um, But, you know, I guess I would hate to look this far out, but there's going to be, I would think, the chance that some of our school districts may not play sports at all this fall. Um, and that may even extend into the winter and spring. I, I don't think this would happen, but you could even have schools that say they're not comfortable playing sports this school year. And if that's the case, 
those student athletes wouldn't have a chance at all. And if we move some of those fall sports to the spring, well, they still, some of them might not be able to play in the spring either. Um, and that, that was kind of um, one of our main reasons why we didn't want to take spring sports and put them in the fall. Um, you know, shoot there. And we've talked about this, Mike, but, you know, e- even if people say, you know, baseball and track and softball, they're, they're low contact sports, move those to the fall. Well, I, you'd have to have one heck of an answer for those student athletes that are not permitted to play sports this fall of any kind. And they just lost two spring seasons in about a seven month span. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine um, doing that. So, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned 31 states. I, you know, certainly Ohio was one of the first states that shut down. Um, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? We were one of the first states that shut down, but we're one of now, you know, 19 states that are moving forward. Um, so I, I think there's several reasons for that. You know, Ohio is just so big. You know, we're the fourth biggest state in the country in high school sports. We're so diverse. We, we have so many different kinds of communities, cities, rural, all that. So we just felt like if the majority of our schools can have a chance to play their fall sports, that's what our first goal is. So... You know, it, it's heartbreaking that not every school is going to be able to play right now, um, but we hope that they can start playing here soon. Um, and in the majority of our schools, uh, we are advocating for them. They want to play, so we want to play. Tim Street, OHSA Senior Director of Communications. Always appreciate your time. Got to get those Reds to turn it around a little bit, too. So we'll try to. I agree. They'll be fine. I'm telling you, they'll be fine. But uh, it's going to be a roller coaster of a season. We got a short season, so I, I right, you're absolutely right. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get it turned around and we're back up at the top of the central here soon. Keep the faith in the red legs. Thanks very much, Tim. Thanks, Mike. Well, obviously, a lot of information there from Tim Street and the OHSA is uh, this situation continues to be fluid each and every day, not only every week, but uh, it seems like things change sometimes hourly. So I want to thank Tim again for his time and perspective. I just want to remind everybody this WCPO High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Greater Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky Chick-fil-A restaurants, where the winning play is free chicken. Log into the Chick-fil-A app today for easy contactless ordering. Now I'm joined by Mercy McCauley Athletic Director Denise Harvey, who is also the school's volleyball coach. Well, I just thought, you know, with all these other sports, these contact sports getting in the spotlight, I just thought, you know, definitely there's sure. got to be a story there with volleyball. And yeah, and just tell me where, where your team is right now with everything. And um, I guess just taking me from the start, like when did you actually start working? That was in July or before that? Sure. I mean, as soon as we, you know, were given the the okay to, to start workouts in small pods, we did that. So um, I think the beginning, it was eight, no more than eight or 10, um, eight plus two coaches, that sort of thing. So we started working out in small pods and we actually really closely followed the three phases that the state recommended way back when. So we went through phase one, then we progressed to phase two, and then we um, progressed to phase three. And phase three is basically where we've been. Um, So we definitely on a daily basis have new routines in place for volleyball practice. you know, from the time they walk in the building to the time they leave, um, we have a system down now and it's actually working very well. I have zero complaints about it. Uh, and the girls are doing a wonderful job um, with 
their end of the deal, you know, their responsibility. And, and, um, when they come in, they know what's expected of them. And then we just, uh, we do all the stuff before practice and then court time. And then there's a procedure for when practice is over. So has it really become second nature now just with with sanitizing, cleaning, whatever it might be? It really has. So, you know, they, they put their mask on, they come in the building, we do symptom checks. Uh, We're still not using our locker room yet. So we have uh, spaces marked on the floor where they put their things. um, They wash their hands and then we start, we start practice, you know, no high-fiving, no huddles, that sort of thing. Um, And then at the end of practice, we, as coaches, we wash or not wash, we do sanitize all the balls. Um, The girls, we dismiss in waves um, so that they can wash their hands before they leave. So um, yeah, it's, it is a system and no pushback. And I think they've bought into the idea that the more they do the things like this, the more likely we are to have a whole season. So they're in. When do you anticipate scrimmages with other schools or has that happened yet? It hasn't happened yet. We have three on the books. So um, our, the first of which for us is Saturday. So uh, we're going to go ahead and do game day protocol for the scrimmage um, for everything from pre-screening before travel um, to wearing masks in vehicles um, and wearing masks when they're not on the court because that's one of the recommendations, although we haven't gotten the final, like, this is what you have to do. One of the recommendations is that when the athletes aren't on the court, that they have their masks on. So we're going to do all of that. Uh, we're just going to do it every single time. Coaches wear masks every practice so that they can get used to us coaching in masks. Cause there's a little bit of a, <laughs> there's a little bit of a getting used to, especially if crowd noise is a factor, you can't read lips. So, you know, we've been kind of, they've been getting used to really listening, which is a positive thing. And we have some hand signals that have been helpful too, if they can't see us or hear us. So <laughs> where's that at on sir? Um, we're, we're supposed to travel to Fort Loramie. Um, so, um, but we're aware that things can change pretty quickly. So we're, we're just staying flexible like everybody. Sure. What's the biggest challenge in all this from an AD and from a coach too? I think the biggest challenge for me is that I don't have a definitive answer for our athletes and keeping them motivated is not challenging. Um, but for me, it's the knowing that at any moment, um, I may have to deliver some news that isn't positive. And as an athletic director, that's not just, you know, I, I say that about volleyball, but I would also say that about all of our fall sports. You know, the kids are doing a wonderful job staying focused. And when they come to practice, um, coaches are telling me that they're focused and, and it's their time to not have to think about what's going on everywhere else and, and to kind of reduce the noise, if you will. Um, but for me, really hard part as a coach and an athletic director is, is the, the uncertainty of what kind of message I might have to deliver in the future. So, um, you just don't really think about that and you kind of focus on every day in the gym. So that's kind of our mantra, you know, take advantage of the time that we have. (laughs) Going back to volleyball for a second. Is there an extra layer of I don't know if motivation is the right word or just inspiration or, you know, there's just so much, a lot of casting of doubt on fall sports in general. And, you know, I I don't know if completely everybody understands there's a contact and non-contact sport, uh, you know, 
yeah. we're being here and the general fan. But I mean, is there, do you, do you sense this extra sense of locked in or focusedness that you hadn't seen in the past? Maybe I think so. Um, because we have, you know, we've been kind of hammering home the idea that we've been given an opportunity. August 1st came, um, we're in the gym and we need to take advantage of that time. Um, for our seniors, I feel like they are motivated because, um, is, is, uh, unfortunate as it was, they, they did see, and they were a part of what happened in the spring, um, with athletes not being able to participate in their sport. So they are, um, showing good leadership. And I do think that there's a sense of focus, especially for our senior class, um, that they understand what's at stake and what could, or there's a lot of potential for different things to happen. And, and yeah, I do think that the, they're very motivated. Can you tell me a little bit about your team, just the players returning sure. and what you like most about them? Yeah, we um, we have a great senior class returning. Um, we've got five seniors in the program, um, two of which um, are Division One commits, and uh, they are bringing a really high level of competition to our practices so far. Technically, we're still in the tryout phase, so... Um, tryouts starting on a Saturday kind of um, is interesting, but we will be making some final decisions here for the program. Um, we do have a lot of experience coming back and we have some really exciting young players um, who are going to, I think, uh, make a mark. So we're excited about the opportunity to see what they can develop and how they can develop and contribute to the program. So yeah, we're, we're excited. Great. Do you want to mention some of those seniors, especially those Sure. Um, you know, Caroline Clippard and Madison Mers are um, both high-level athletes and training at a very high level. Caroline's committed. She'll be playing at Ohio University, and Madison is committed to Texas Tech. And um, we have a returning setter in Kate Wuffel, and she's looking to play at the next level as well. Uh, Mia Edwards and Lily Weissman round out the senior crew and uh, bring a lot of leadership and a lot of utility skills to the group. So, um, the five of them, they are very strong. Great. And then maybe just volleyball, especially any team sport, obviously feeds off the crowd and everything, but especially yeah. in volleyball. I mean, have you thought of what that's going to look like? Um, just, in your, you know, having yeah. parents or families or what that might be. I don't know. Yeah. You know, um, I, I will have to say that our crowds, um, are very strong for volleyball, uh, depending on who the opponent is, just like any sport, you know, if it's a rival or a potential rival, you bring more fans with it. Um, I am more concerned about a student cheering section than I am about our parents, grandparents, and families that come, um, because I think the student sections could look a little bit different. And um, I'm hoping that the situation that we're in is not a deterrent, but I very, very much feel like it could be um, and that we would see a decrease in students attending games. So, um, you know, that's something that we're mindful of and kind of creating a plan for. Uh, for volleyball, I think one of the recommendations is that you don't switch sides, which I totally understand. And I think it makes good sense. So you just have to have a designated home section and a designated visitor section and, and um, keeping your fans spread out. I think, won't be very challenging um, for volleyball, but could be on some of those bigger match nights. So um, our league is is going to be discussing, you know, how we're going to handle that with 
with our schools in our league. And we have a small league, so um, we do work very well together when, when it comes to those types of things and being consistent. So we're, we're kind of working on that. I was going to ask you about your other coaching colleagues, maybe even other ADs around, around the area. What, what is kind of the vibe of for volleyball? Do you, do you envision a complete season? Is it, is it just, yeah. is it hard to say, you know, one week at a time, I'm sure. Yeah. One week at a time. I, um, I honestly, it's, it's, um, this is one of the most unique things in that one day I feel like I can feel very confident about an outcome. And then the very next day I can be very deflated. So this is another challenge just to kind of keep that even keel positive look about it. Um, I'm very confident that we will start our season. Um, I'm a little less confident that it will look the same as we go throughout it. So um, that, that is, that is a big challenge. And I think that's what other coaches are saying as well. You know, we, I think we're all thrilled that we were able to start on August 1st. Um, although I would not appreciate being able to start on August 1st, if there was no, no intent of the season occurring, I, I would not, I would not think that that was a very compassionate move on anybody's part. So I can only assume that letting us start on August 1st means that there's every intent that we would have a season. So I'm holding on to that hope, <laughs> um, but also, you know, just understanding that things can change so quickly. So. How much do you address this with your players? I mean, maybe that was a conversation you had right at the outset of this summer. And I know there's been a lot of talk on student athletes going on vacation or doing other things outside of OHSA sanction activities and all that stuff. But um, yeah. do you kind of just keep it all toward volleyball or do you say something maybe before practice or after and let it go? Or how much do you dwell on what's going on we, around everybody yeah. around the state? I don't, I don't think we dwell on it, but it's become so in the past when the year wasn't 2020, very um, daily reminders for us would be make sure you're sleeping well, make sure you're eating properly, um, you know, make sure you're making good decisions. So um, our daily reminders now include 2020 reminders, which are um, please, you know, get enough sleep, eat well, and wash your hands, wear a mask. And what we've been trying to hit home with them is reducing their pod. Um, so, you know, choosing who they're um, spending their downtime with and keeping that a small group of friends and choosing whenever possible, not to attend large group gatherings and just to kind of make some of those sacrifices for the sake of having a season. And we, we do remind them of that daily. We don't dwell on it, but it is a daily reminder. Yeah. Anything else I didn't ask you about, Denise, or maybe just around the school, around your other programs? Yeah, I, I think, no, I think you're probably hearing from other athletic directors who are in the same boat in the delineation between contact and non-contact sports. And as an athletic director, it's it's very challenging thought process to even envision a fall season where some of your athletes are competing and some of them are not. And for that, I, um, uh, I, that is creates an unsettled feeling for me um, that solely based on the sport that a, a student is good at, that she loves, that she has a passion about could be the deciding factor if she has a season. I mean, that, that is just so challenging. And to have to look at one group of athletes and say, you can golf and you can play tennis and you can play volleyball and run cross country and have to look potentially at another group and say, I'm sorry, but you can't play soccer. Like that's, 
that's really, it's, it's a very unsettling feeling for, I'm sure a lot of administrators. So have any of your team schedules been altered because of stuff up North, you know, with the boards of health? Yeah, absolutely. I was joking with another athletic director and because we were um, scheduling because of cancellations that we had and he joked and he said, man, I never thought scheduling would be so fun Uh, because normally it's like not, (laughs) it's not high on anybody's list of fun things to do, but the idea that, you're kind of moving forward in a, in a normal way. Um, you know, it was enjoyable to, to reschedule um, after being dropped. But um, currently we, we lost um, three volleyball matches and I picked two. I, re, I was able to reschedule two. We're down one. And I think there's just some things that are still in question. Um, soccer, we've uh, lost one, but we're picking up another team. So there's this whole nother layer of scheduling with the athletic directors going on right now. But again, you're doing it with the hope that, you know, you, you can get for soccer, you can get to that 16 game season and you're also scheduling it knowing that they're not even allowed to scrimmage right now. So it's kind of, yeah, but, but that's what's happening right now. So there's tons of like, try, we're trying to pick up and some of the schools and leagues that have canceled, I really haven't gotten official notification that they're not playing. I just honestly saw it on Twitter <laughs> and, you know, like the G walk, they apparently are only playing league. So not that I expect they've, they've got so many, obviously they've got a lot of communication to go on there, but so I'm assuming the G walk teams on our schedule, were no longer playing, but um, so that's kind of been challenging to pick up some games. Who did you lose and who'd you pick up for volleyball? Um, well, of course, in week one of volleyball, we had Notre Dame Academy and, uh, then we had a tri match with Mercy Academy and St. Henry, which is a, um, crazy competitive tri match. So all of those three, um, because of their delay, uh, are pushed back. So we were able to reschedule with Notre Dame. I'm working on rescheduling with St. Henry. Um, we were scheduled to play Centerville. So, uh, we've, we've lost the Centerville match. Um, and then soccer was scheduled to play Notre Dame and, and we lost Notre Dame, but we're in the process of hopefully picking up a team as well. So that's, it's not significant, but it's, um, I think it's, it could continue to happen. So yeah. we'll see. How about we end this conversation on a positive note? Uh, sure. What are you telling your, just maybe across all teams, not just volleyball, just about staying positive. I realize you know, you said that it, kind of walking on eggshells right now thinking any moment you can be delivering bad news but um i'm sure there's been some that have been really kind of you know for lack of a better term if it's not them their families are really kind of in the same uncertainty level i'm sure there's a lot of anxiety out there so how have you kind of put them at ease um, as much as you can yeah and and i think that starts with our head coaches our head coaches have been great as and i've read a lot of positive um stories about head coaches all over the state and they are really doing a great job at keeping the kids focused. And so my, the biggest positive thing for me is just continuing to see the leadership of, of coaches in this respect, uh, training as if it's, um, you know, the way that they would train, um, aside from the protocol and some of the logistics, just kind of carrying on and they're very excited. And, you know, I, I've talked to all of our coaches and they're just, they're like, we, we have good numbers of kids coming out to play. We're, we're excited about um, the season. 
we're keeping them focused. And, and I think the most positive thing is that it really is making programs stronger um, because the kids realize that their coaches don't have all the answers, but they're there every day, putting in the work the same as they would on a, on a different year. And there's a good level of respect um, for both the athletes and the coaches in doing that. So that's been very positive. Um, and I can't say enough about all the coaches across the state and the Mercy McCauley coaches who really have been doing a great job um, with our athletes. Sounds great. Thank you very much, Denise. Really appreciate awesome. it. I want to thank Mercy McCauley Athletic Director and Volleyball Coach Denise Harvey for her time and perspective. Obviously, juggling a lot of different things as an athletic director and coach right now during this fall sports season. Also, thanks again to Tim Street at the OHSA for lending his perspective and knowledge about all this situation as it continues to be fluid each and every day as the governing body for high school sports in Ohio continues to wait for clearance for contact sports, soccer, field hockey, and football from the Ohio governor's office. Thank you again for listening. We will talk to you next week.